Travis was a uh, Las Vegas pimp when I met him. He was kind of new to it, uh, but he had quickly gotten a bunch of girls to work for him and uh, was very successful at it. Uh, Warren was an angry atheist. He, um, he hated God. He hated anyone who believed in God. Uh, the way I met Warren was he heard about this new church that was starting in Las Vegas, his city, and he got the idea that he could destroy this new church and then brag for the rest of his life to all of his atheist friends, I killed a church. What have you done for the cause? Uh, here is Warren's plan. Uh, he thought, I'm going to go to one of the first services. Uh, the people who are there won't be very committed to the church because it's new. They'll just be kind of checking it out. I'm going to sit right in the middle. And then during the sermon, I'm going to get up. I'm going to start screaming obscenities. I'm going to start throwing punches, hit some people. I'm going to throw things. And if I make it revolting enough and bad enough, well, who would come back? They're all going to be like, I'm not going back to that place. And, and they won't have enough people to keep going. I, I'll say, be able to tell everybody I destroyed a church. It's actually a pretty good plan, except I was the preacher. <laughs> so my, my name is Vince Antonucci. And man, I'm excited to be here. When I found out I was speaking here, I poured through your website. Like I, I think I read like every page just to find out more about you. And I will admit that I think I kind of got like a crush on your church. Like... <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but I was like, oh, this, these guys are awesome. I, I sincerely mean that. I um, just loved who you are and what you're doing and how you present yourself. And uh, getting to spend a couple of days here has been awesome. And um, just so honored to, to be here with you. So um, I started a church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Was there for like 12 years, then moved to Las Vegas and started a church there. And I'll tell you that being a pastor, uh, being a church planter is not at all what I expected. Um, my mother is Jewish. My father was a professional poker player uh, and con man who ended up on America's Most Wanted. Anybody else's parent? Uh, just me, yeah. Uh, and so you might think they, they probably didn't take you to church a lot. And you'd be right. I literally never went to church one single time growing up. Uh, not only that, I never had anyone even mention Jesus to me. Invite me to church, none of it. Uh, and so growing up, I literally knew nothing about God, Jesus, or Christianity. Uh, when I was 20 years old, it was the Easter morning of my sophomore year in college. I turned on the TV because I was waiting for my girlfriend to go out to lunch. She was late as usual. And so I turned on the TV and we had three channels in our dorm room. And I flipped through and every channel had on what I considered to be a dumb religious show which makes sense. It was Easter, but I, I was not thinking that it was Easter. And so I'm like, ah, and I, I would have just turned off the TV, but the third channel, the third show looked potentially comical. Um, I, I hit the channel and I see this older, older man, and he was sitting in a red leather overstuffed chair, but he was sitting like this. And I'm just like, why, why is this guy on TV? Like, what is going on? And so um, he, he starts talking, and I'll never forget what he said. Um, he, he's sitting here, and he said, Now, we have been discussing the last week of Jesus Christ's life, and today I, uh, I want to talk to you about, and he named some event from Jesus' life that I don't remember because it was right over my head. I didn't know what it was. And he said, Now, most scholars believe that this event happened on 
the Tuesday of Jesus last week. But I'm going to prove to you today that it actually occurred on the Wednesday of Jesus last week. The evidence will show that it actually occurred on Wednesday. And I heard that and I thought, yes, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, I I will admit, I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't even know if he was real. But if he was, it was like a couple thousand years ago. And you're talking about Tuesday or Wednesday? Turned off the TV in disgust, knocked on the door, went out to lunch. But for the rest of that day, I could not stop thinking about what that guy said. I, I, I just had all these questions like, why do you even care if it was Tuesday or Wednesday? And, and what kind of evidence would there be for something that happened 2,000 years ago? And did anyone ever get him out of the chair? Like, all these questions. And so uh, that night I was sitting in my girlfriend's dorm room and I looked up at her bookshelf and I noticed that she had a Bible. I, I just never noticed that before. And I was like, hey, why do you have a Bible? And she was like, oh, somebody gave that to me for Christmas one year. I, I don't know. And I was like, would you mind? Like, could I borrow it from you? And she's like, I don't want it. Like, take it. If you want it, keep it. If you don't want it, throw it out. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I take this Bible. I'd never touched a Bible in my life until that moment. Take it back to my dorm room. And um, I was excited to open it and check it out. I, I didn't know how it would be set up. But I assumed it would be like the TV guide by day and time because of the whole Tuesday, Wednesday debate (laughs) that was apparently tearing up Christianity. And so uh, this was a student Bible on the cover. I don't know if you've seen these. A student Bible designed to help uh, kids, teenagers get into the Bible. And so when you open it, instead of Genesis 1-1, you open it, it says reading plans. So I I start looking through it. It says reading plan through Moses' life, reading plan through Abraham's life. I'm like... Lincoln? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And, literally. And, and so I finally see reading plan through Jesus' life. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll start there. I'll check that one out. I mean, let's figure this out. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I think we can, we can take care of that right now. And so I, I start turn to the first, you know, part of the reading plan. And I expected to read like a tall tale or a fable. I thought the first words would be once upon a time, right? And then it would say, there's this man named Jesus and he was kind and he did nice things for people and he had a blue ox named Babe and he could lasso a tornado and I would roll my eyes and throw out the Bible. So I was stunned, stunned when I realized that repeatedly the Bible says at this time, in this place, Jesus did this thing. And I would turn the page of the next story and it would say, at this time, when this guy was the governor, and this guy was the tetrarch, and uh, Jesus went to this town, he did this thing. And I, and I realized, man, there would be evidence. Like, not Tuesday, Wednesday, but like, if this really happened, and you tell me where it happened and when it happened, I could go back and find out, did other people write about this? And if not, why wouldn't other people write about something so important happening? And, and so now I'm intrigued because I think I could, I could prove this or disprove it. And so now I just want to keep reading it to find out what it says. And I learned for the first time in my life that the Bible claimed that there was a God who loved me and who had sent his son Jesus to live for me and to die for me so that I could have a relationship with him. And someday go to heaven to be with him forever. And, uh, and I, I just knew that I had to know. Like, I had to know. Like, if this was true, I would become a Christian. And if it wasn't true, 
I would spend the rest of my life making fun of people for believing in something that I could prove was false. And so I spent the next months, literally six, eight, ten hours a day, every single day, uh, reading the Bible and going to the library and trying to find uh, evidence to disprove the Bible. And uh, what I discovered is uh, that the evidence for Jesus is overwhelming. Um, and I got to a place where even though I didn't, wasn't excited about it, I just couldn't deny anymore that it was true. Um, and what was even more overwhelming to me was God's love for me. The, the idea that God loved me and that he had sent Jesus for me, that God had come to pursue me. So like, I mean, you can picture, so I'm sitting in my dorm room reading through this reading plan and it says, read Luke 15. And I get to this story, which I believe we're going to put on the screen, uh, starting in verse 4, Luke 15. Uh, it says, so Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, the story is so interesting. This shepherd has a hundred sheep. A hundred is a lot of anything, right? Like, think about this. Do you own a hundred of anything? I, th- I thought about it. I think the only thing I have a hundred of is books. And if someone came and took one of my books, I would never notice. Because I've got a hundred of them, right? But what about this? Um, how many parents in the room? Parents? Anybody? Parents? Yeah? What if you had a hundred kids? Do you think you would ever notice if one of them just kind of wandered off? You wouldn't, right? You would just like, no, you wouldn't. Not if you had a hundred of them. So, so check this out. When I was a kid, we had two children in my family, me and my younger sister, Lisa. Uh, one time my parents took us out to eat. I believe it was Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. Anyone remember? There's a support group for us. I'll tell you later. Um, so anyway, um, we, we get done eating. We go. My parents put us in the back of the car. This is mid-70s. And so like you didn't have child safety. You didn't even use seat belts in the mid-70s, right? You just threw the kids in. So they throw us in. They get in the front. Um, my dad turns on the car, pops in the eight-track tape. Some of you are going to have to ask your parents on the way home, what was it? what is an eight-track tape? But it's a music thing. And so music fills the car um, knowing my parents is mid seventies. It was probably Neil Diamond's greatest hits. And so music starts hands, touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Do you guys want to sing this morning? Sweet Caroline. Very good. Wow. I'm impressed. So true story. My dad puts the car in the drive, starts pulling out of the parking lot. They didn't realize they hadn't shut my sister's door well, and she was leaning against it. The door swung open. She fell out of the car. The door quietly swung shut. My parents didn't notice, and I didn't say a word. I just... So so we get onto the road. We're driving down the road when finally my father goes... Where's Lisa? And I went. <laughs> he, he got so mad. My mom's so mad. Slams on the brakes, turns the car around. We go back, and there is Lisa laying in the parking lot, sobbing. She always was a crybaby. <laughs> my, my, listen, my parents had 
two kids and couldn't keep track of us in a car. <laughs> this shepherd has 100 sheep and seems to immediately notice when one of them is missing. I, I, I read this in my dorm room. I'm like, this is weird. And I'm thinking, I don't know anything about sheep, but like, aren't they easy to replace? Like, like if you lose a sheep, wait till spring, you'll have little baby sheep and we're, we're good. You know, we got more sheep now, but, but not, not for this shepherd, right? Not in his mind. A lost sheep could not be replaced. And, and I understood, you understand the reason is because Jesus wasn't really telling a story about a shepherd and his sheep. He was using the story as a, a metaphor, a parable. And, and in the story, the shepherd represented God and the sheep represented me. And that's why a lost sheep can't be replaced because it's not a sheep. It's, it's, it's a kid, right? I, I now have two kids. And if one of my two kids ever wandered off, I would not say to my wife, eh, we could make another one, right? <laughs> like not when it's your kid. It, this actually happened to us um, some years back, but my wife and I took our kids to this big water park in Virginia. And uh, my son, I think, was just turned five and my daughter was three. And um, we lost our son. My, my, our son disappeared, not for like a second. Like we started searching for him like, hey, Dawson. And, and realize he's not here. And so it becomes five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm thinking he's been abducted. Like, maybe that's weird, but I'm like, I've seen Dateline. Like, this is the perfect place to abduct a kid. And um, I'm racing around trying to find him frantic. And I start having this thought, what if I never see my son again? What if I never get to hold my son again? And then my heart is racing and my throat clenched up and my heart is pounding. And we finally found it, but the worst 15 minutes of my life. And, and I realized in those moments that I finally understood what it's like to be God every day. Because the way I felt about my son in those moments was the way that God had felt about me. The way I felt about my son is the way God feels about you. The way I felt about my son is the way that God feels about your friends and coworkers and neighbors who are wandering away from him. I think of uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, which might take my vote as the most powerful passage in the Bible, where God says this in verse 19. He says, oh, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent. And you read that and you're like, what's going on? Like, because God does not normally talk like that, right? And you're like, what is God so upset about? He says, uh, verse 22, he says, my people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. What, what breaks God's heart is that his Kids have wandered off from him. They're separated from him. And God offers this invitation to his children. He says, if you return, O Israel, return to me. And back in my dorm room, I just, I couldn't understand it. Because I realized I am a wretch. Like, I am sinful. I'm a mess. But God loved me. He pursued me. He invited me to return to him. And when I understood that, I said, yes, yes. And listen, I don't know you, but I suspect that you're a wretch. 
Don't be offended. Or if you want to, if you are offended, probably that says something. Because the, the truth is, you, you may drive a nice car and have a well-manicured lawn and present yourself very well. But the truth about all of us inside is that we're, we're, just, we're a sinful mess. And God loves you. And God loves you. And he pursues you. And he has invited you to return to him. And when you know that God loves you like that, man, you say yes, right? You say yes as fast as you can. And then what do you do? Then what do you do? You share it, right? You, you share God's love. You share Jesus. How crazy is it? I grew up in America. I wasn't like in the jungles of somewhere. Like I was in America, and then for the first 20 years of my life, no one mentioned Jesus to me. Never heard his name except for as a curse word. No one ever invited me to church. It's crazy. Jesus told us, go into all the world, Mark 16, 15, and preach the good news to everyone. Right? That's your mission. And, and what an amazing honor that is. We get to share Jesus with people. How cool is that? Right? Jesus literally gave us his mission. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Right? God sent Jesus to the world to pursue the world, all of his lost children, to bring them home to God. And now he gives us that mission, that we are to pursue God's lost, senseless, wandering children who have wandered off from him. And, and so I, I'm here this morning to ask you a question. You ready? Who are you pursuing? Who are you pursuing? That's the mission you have. So who are you pursuing? But because uh, your coworker who doesn't know Jesus, to you, it's, it's my coworker. She's nice. No. When God looks at her, he feels desperate. And the guy who lives next door has an annoying dog. He's your neighbor, right? But when God looks at him, his heart starts racing and his throat clenches up and his head pounds. And the family member that you have, the relative who's not a Christian, when God thinks about your relative, oh, my anguish, my anguish. And God has put those people into your life so you can pursue them for him. Who are you pursuing? Jesus has given us his mission. We are sent and we need to go. Can I give you a suggestion? And I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to be like, oh, that, that, that helps me. That makes us feel a little bit easier. Um, in your pursuing this person, um, when you share Jesus with them, my encouragement would be lead with love. Lead with love. Meaning, I, I want to be clear, don't lead with truth. And by that I mean don't start out by telling them what's wrong with their life and how they sin and, and where they're wrong about God. Are you going to share all that? Yes, you're going to share the truth. We want to share the truth. We have to share the truth. But lead with love which uh, I know you all get, because as I looked through your website, I saw building bridges over, over and over throughout your website. It's the same idea, right? We want to build a bridge by leading with love, which is what Jesus did. If you look through the Gospels, you realize, man, whenever Jesus met someone who was stuck in sin, he always led with love. Like, it, it's the most remarkable thing about Jesus, I think. If you study his life, it's like, 
Jesus was the one sinless person to ever walk the face of the planet. And everywhere he went, the most sinful people wanted to be around him. You'd expect it to be the opposite, right? Usually sinful people don't want to be around sinless people, but they all want to be around him. Like Jesus um, uh, would go to a party, all the sinful people would gather around him. Um, we, we see pr- prostitute come and pour perfume on Jesus' feet. Uh, one day he hung out with this woman who was bouncing from man to man to man, from bed to bed to bed. Why? Why did sinful people want to be around sinless Jesus? I think it's because Jesus didn't make them feel worse about themselves. No one wants to be around someone who makes them feel worse, right? You don't want to be around people who make you feel worse about yourself. No one does. Jesus didn't make them feel worse. He made them feel loved. Jesus knew a a secret, and it feels to me like a lot of Christians, a lot, have lost it. Somewhere, at some point, we lost it, and it's this. It's love that turns a life around. The, the way to change a person's life is not by judging them, but by embracing them. Not by pointing out their sins, but by pointing them to the one who loves them despite their sins. And so people need truth. They need to hear the truth. And people need to be loved. But what I'm encouraging you, us to do is to follow Jesus' example and start with love and then get to truth. Because it's love that builds a relationship. It's love that opens a person's ears to what you have to say. It's love that will open their heart to the message. And it's love that leads people to repentance. I don't know if uh, we get that today, but it it is what the Bible teaches. If you read Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says God's kindness leads people to repentance. Uh, Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12, we'll put it on the screen. It says, for the grace of God, Okay, grace, underline that in your mind. For the grace of God has appeared, oh, in Jesus, right? That offers salvation to all people. Mm-hmm. It, what's it? Still talking about the grace of God, right? We didn't, the subject didn't change. It, the grace of God, teaches us, teaches people to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Do you get that? It says it's the offer of God's grace. It's God's love that leads people to repentance, not the threat of his wrath. And it's not scaring people into, if you keep doing that, that's not what the Bible says changes people. It says God's love does. And that's why Jesus led with love. And so don't be afraid to tell them the truth. We have to share the truth, but lead with love. And here's the cool thing. If you, if you really, I'm going to do this. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to lead with love. It will give you opportunities to share God's love, which will ultimately give you opportunities to share God's truth. At one time, I was um, at a Burger King with my Bible. The really weird thing about this story, but I won't go into it, is that I was fasting at Burger King with my Bible. I wasn't eating anything, but it's a real weird place to like hang out and fast, right? I don't know. So I've got issues. So I'm sitting in this booth, uh, like a little normal Burger King kind of booth, and I'm reading the Bible, and this guy walked into Burger King. There's lots of people, but for some reason, he walked straight to my booth, and he started pacing in front of my booth. Like It was like he would not break the barriers of my booth. Um, I looked up, and I see this guy. He's... um, 
he, he was obviously very poor, probably homeless, as I could tell from the way he dressed and his hair and everything. And, and I'm like, what is he doing? Like, why is he just pacing in front of my booth? And uh, like, why won't he go to other people? And, and I, I'm a very godly, Christ-like person. And so I ignored him. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do with this guy. I just kept reading my Bible. But he wouldn't stop. He just kept pacing in front of my booth. And so finally I'm like, okay, Vince, you have to, you have to say something. And so I said, excuse me, excuse me. Can, do you need something? Can I help you? And he started talking. Um, he's from India. And he spoke broken English. So I got parts and I didn't understand everything he was saying. Um, and so I'm trying to. And eventually he pulls out this piece of paper and he hands it to me. And I look at it and it's a job application for a Burger King. And I was like, oh, do, are you saying, do you want to try to get a job here? And he said really loud. He said, yes, yes. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, do you need help filling it out? And he said, yes. And I said, okay. I said, I, I can help you. Do you want to sit down and we can do this together? And he said, yes, yes, thank you, thank you. I was like, you're welcome. It's cool. And so he sits down. We proceed to fill out the job application, which is easy, right? No, it's not. It's not. I'm like, tell me your name. And I'm like, oh, could you spell that? And, and then I'm like, okay, address. He doesn't have an address. And I'm like, I don't, I'm stuck. Like, do we make up one? I don't know what to do. It just everything was difficult. And so finally we get it done. It takes, I think it took close to an hour. It felt like. And so, um, he takes it and uh, he said, thank you. Thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome. And so he walked off and I felt like, okay, Vince, you did, you did a good thing. That's good. And I opened my Bible back up to read my Bible. And, um, I don't know, two minutes later, he comes back and he starts pacing in front of my booth again. And I'm like, I want to ignore him, but I can't because we're friends now. We just spent like an hour together. And so I was like, what do I do? And so I, I said, hey, excuse, excuse me, um, have you eaten today? Like, do, do, you need some, do you need some food? And he went, oh, yes, 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 please, yes. And I was like, oh, I can help you. And so I got my, out my wallet and I gave him just a little money. And he, um, he appreciated it. He really appreciated it. This is true. He, I handed him my money and he grabbed my wrist and then he reached down over the table and grabbed my other wrist and he proceeded to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, as he took my hands, these hands, and rubbed them all over his body. And so he was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, hands, touching hands. <laughs> I, I was like, what? And so finally, he gives me back my hands, and he walks off to get his food. And I, I honestly, my thought was, that really just happened. That actually just happened. And I thought, I don't know if I can recover from this. And I thought, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. Your, today's your day to pray and fast and read your Bible. Okay. Whew. So I got out my Bible, started reading my Bible again. And I don't know. Five minutes later, he comes walking up with his tray of food and sat down at my table. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Sure, we're going to eat together. And close my Bible, push it to the side. And I just thought, man, Vince, he's lonely probably. Like, just be a, be a good guy. Be a friend to him. And so I started asking him questions. I asked him a 1,000 questions. Um, where are you from? How did you get to Virginia Beach? Um, do you know anyone here? Just, where are you living? All these questions. And so he answers and we talk. And eventually he started asking me questions. You know, do you have family and, and where do you live? And, and I answered. And then he points to my Bible and he says, what's this? 
And I thought, okay, this is, this is going to be cool. I'm going to get to tell them about Jesus. And so I said, well, this is a Bible. And I said, um, there's a God, and God loves us. And he loves us so much, he gave us the Bible so we could know him. He loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to, and before I could continue, he went, oh, Jesus? And I said, yeah. And he went, Jesus? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, oh. And he gets out his wallet, and it's filled with, like, things he's cut out of newspapers and magazines and all, I mean, just crazy things. And he starts flipping through, and he finds in his wallet that he has a picture of Jesus. Not an actual photograph. You, right? Okay, yeah, you get it. And so he, he's like, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. And so I'm thinking, oh, maybe he's a Christian because he, he, he got very excited about Jesus. But then he proceeds to show me every single thing in his wallet. And he is equally excited about all of them. Like he's got a picture of a goat, a picture of B. Arthur. And all of it's like, B. Arthur, B. Arthur. And I'm like, that's B. Arthur. And so it's, I'm like, I don't think the Jesus thing was like legit. Like, so. And so finally he gets done. Um, with all the things and um, he, he gets really serious and he says, uh, do you know uh, what God's name is? And I said, yes, I do. That, that is exactly what I was starting to tell you. God's name is Jesus. God sent Jesus so we could know him. His name is Jesus. And he said, no. And I said, no. And he said, no. They said, God's name is 21. And I said, okay. And he said, do you understand? And I said, "Mm mm-hmm. He said, you understand? I said, yeah, you think God's name is 21. I think it's Jesus. And he said, no, 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 no. Um, Name of God, 21. Do you understand? And I said, yes, you think God's name is 21. And he said, no, no. And like everybody's looking at me. I'm like, I don't really know him. <laughs> and so um, he, he's like an off frustrated. He's like, 21. I'm like, 21, I get it. And he's like, no. And so I'm like, explain it. And so he tries to explain. And I think, I'm not even positive. I think what he was saying is that he believes there's 21 different world religions and that we each call God by a different name, but that really it's just one God and we all know the same God. We just call him by different names. I think that's what he meant. And so I said, okay. I said, I, I, I think I understand what you're saying and I honor your right to believe what you believe. I said, that's not what I believe. I believe that there is one God and he sent his son Jesus so we could know him. And he, um, he kind of nodded like he understood what I believed. And, and then he said, um, do you know uh, who God is today? And I said, uh-huh, 21. And he said, no. And I'm like, are you serious? Really? Like, I, I just went with 21 for you. And he says, no, no. And I said, okay, who is God today? And he said, who is God? God love us. God care for us. God, feed us. Today, you love me. You care for me. You feed me. Today, you are God to me. And, you know, in one sense, he was theologically wrong. Okay, I am not God. Ask my wife. Uh, but, but there is another sense in which he was kind of sort of right 
because God has asked us to represent him to the world, right? To, to be the body of Christ, that we, we bring Jesus to the world and um, to, to show his love to people and share his love with people, with the people he loves, who might not know that he loves them. And, and if we just would lead with love, man, it will give you the opportunity to share God's love and, and ultimately his truth. And, and, and I want to tell you this, because um, I think we forget. If you've been around church a long time, maybe your whole life, it's just we, we, we don't realize this, but, but you just have no idea how powerful it is to hear that God loves you. And you hear that, you really hear that, and you don't know it, that will turn your life upside down. That, that's what it did for me. And you remember Travis, the, the pimp? Um, Travis is the first person I led to Christ in Las Vegas. Uh, he was the first person who we baptized. Uh, the second person we baptized was his wife um, immediately after. We, at that time, our church was meeting in a casino um, which we didn't do for very long, but we did for about six months. Um, and we baptized Travis and his wife in the hot tub outside of the casino. I think it's safe to assure you that is the only holy thing that has ever happened in that hot tub. Um, it's probably not the ideal place for a baptism, but that's what we had at the time. Um, we baptized both of them, and then we, while they were still wet in front of our little church at the time, we renewed their wedding vows and they got back together. Um, Travis, that was 15 years ago. And about seven years ago, Travis was ordained as a pastor. And two years ago, Travis moved to Denver to plant a new church. Um, you remember Warren, the angry atheist? Uh, the, the sermon, the day he came to, he was going to sit in the middle and destroy our church by you know, interrupting the sermon and punching people. And uh, the sermon happened to be uh, on Ephesians chapter 2. The sermon was about how we are uh, dead in our sin, but we can be made alive in Christ. That was the sermon Warren came to disrupt. And Warren got so caught up in the teaching, he forgot to interrupt it. And so the service ended, and we said, well, I'll see you next week. And Warren went, oh, I forgot to do my thing. And so Warren came back the next week to do his thing, and didn't do his thing, came back the next week and the next week and the next week. And eventually I met Warren and I soon realized that Warren was coming to all three of our identical church services. And so I said to him one day, I said, Hey, Warren, it's really cool that you come to all three, but like you are noticing that they're all the same, right? Like you're hearing the same thing three times, right? And I, this is a direct quote. This angry atheist who had come I don't know, six months earlier to destroy our church said to me, yeah, I know, man, but um, I just can't get enough of Jesus. And it was probably six months later that he gave his life to Jesus. And, um, and before he got baptized, we, we hand people a microphone and ask them to share their, their story of why are they getting baptized today. And we hand him a microphone and Warren looked at the people and he said, I have a confession to make. I didn't come here for this. And he pointed at the kiddie pool, which is what we were then baptizing people in. Um, we, we, we upgraded, or is that a downgrade? I don't know. Um, he said, I didn't come here for this. He said, I came here because I knew that I was stronger than all of you. And I knew that I could destroy you. 
And I was standing over here literally thinking, why did I give him a microphone? Why did I give him a microphone? Uh, and Warren said, but something has happened to me here, and I can't, I can't explain it, but I found out that God loves me. And I just want more of it. And he started sobbing. Like, he kept trying to talk. He was like, finally, like, okay, we get it. We took the microphone away. And um, and we have no idea how powerful it is to hear that God loves you. Um, uh, We have hundreds of those stories in our church. And my prayer coming this morning I want you to have those stories. I don't mean you as a church. I know you as a church have those stories. I mean you personally to have those stories. And it doesn't have to be a, a pimp or an angry atheist. It could be your coworker or your neighbor, your classmate, um, the barista at the coffee shop you, you go to. Who are you pursuing? Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Are you living out your mission, the the purpose of your life? Do you have God's heart for his children who have wandered away from him? He says, oh, my anguish, my anguish. So I'm going to pray for that, that God would give us his heart. And and then also, if you uh, want to be prayed for today, there's going to be some people who come on the sides and in the aisles, a a prayer team. And so if you want to know more about following Jesus or if there's something going on in your life that you could use some prayer for, they would be happy to pray for you. And so if you want after the service to go up to them, uh, you can do that. So let's pray together. God, would you uh, give us your heart for your lost children? It's it's just unfathomable to me that you have just billions of children who you love each one individually with all your heart. And you are frantic, wondering if you're ever going to see or hold them. God, thank you for the honor of giving us your mission to pursue your lost children. God, would you give us your heart and help us to pursue them. And as we do, God, help us to lead with love. Take some of the pressure off us. We can, we can love people. And um, it takes the pressure off them, and it opens them up to the good news that we have to share about Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, God. Thank you that we've come to know him. Thank you that we've been saved by him. God, we pray all these things in his name. Amen.